Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. Well, I trust that everyone is uh, feeling relaxed and blessed, and uh, I believe that through the preaching of God's Word that the Holy Spirit will continue to move and touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your body, and just bless you in the presence of God. So I want to welcome you today to part two in our series called These Walls Will Fall. And what we're going to do right now is turn to Gateway Word of the Week. Now, in case you don't know what Gateway Word of the Week is, Gateway Word of the Week is what we would call the key passage and the scripture that God is speaking to us primarily about. So you'll find this posted every Sunday afternoon, okay? And so this is for your own personal study. It's also for our life groups, okay? When it comes to a life group leader, uh, you can use this for the duration of your life group, or you can use it as a devotional. It's just another way to unpack God's Word and to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Uh, God often tests our loyalty and our faithfulness in the little things, God might speak to you about something or drop what I like to call a divine ember, like a little fiery coal into your heart. And God wants to see how we treat that ember. He wants to see if we're going to, you know, blow on that and just keep it alight and fan it, as it were, into a fire. That's how it works. You see, God set, set it up that way. This is why God says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. So I want to encourage you to lay hold of the thing that God is saying to you right here, right now. Write it down and let's turn to Gateway Word of the Week, which is found in John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. And uh, I think you might recall last week when I uh, brought part 1, that this week we'd be talking about someone who was a part of a community for 38 years. He was a paralyzed man. He was in the same place, paralyzed, surrounded by the same community for 38 years, seeing and hearing the same things. That's a long time to be in one place for 38 years. And so he has an over-attachment to his environment, okay? Uh, I wanted to give just a little bit of a, uh, you know, just a preview that next Sunday, uh, as we continue this series, I'm going to be talking about childbirth because I, I have a lot of experience in that and uh, childbirth. And uh, I was there for all of our children's births. And it has actually been said scientifically that women. Uh, can begin just like a little bit. They can begin to just kind of comprehend what it's like for a man to have a cold. <laughs> so we just thank God for science and it all, you know, just... <laughs> I like how the men laughed, you know, just more than anyone. But um, anyway... Let's do the most important thing and turn to God's Word, hey? Yeah, let's do that. Anyway, that's next week. Uh, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. That's pretty cool. He got amongst a festival. 
Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is, uh, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five conolades. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now a certain man was laying there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew, he already knew, that he had already been in that condition a long time, he goes directly up to him and he asks a question. And the question is, do you want to be made well? Now, it's an unusual question. And so just pausing for a moment from the scripture, uh, Jesus is clearly in the neighborhood and deliberately goes to this place called Bethesda because he knew that it's a place where there's a multitude of sick people. You know, sometimes as the church, we need to go where the sick people are, where the lame are, where the paralyzed are, not just perhaps even naturally, but emotionally or spiritually speaking. And so the Bible says that he also knew about this paralyzed man. He knew that he'd been there for 38 years. And what I want to say is that whatever condition you might have, either from your past or whatever you're facing today, Jesus also wants you to know that he knows about that as well. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what that dividing wall is between you and freedom. Let me just ask this question. What price would you pay for freedom? What price would you pay? I think it's a good question to answer. What price would you pay for freedom of mind, for freedom from your past, so that you can walk into any environment or up to any person and just share the love of Jesus Christ? What would that be worth to you? But because of Jesus' great love and compassion, he goes directly up to this man and he asks a question. It's an obvious question, which should have had a very clear and obvious answer. And of course, the question is, do you want to be made well? It should have demanded a simple and a clear yes, but that's not what we get. Because we pick it up now in verse 7. And the sick man answered him and said, Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred, no one is helping me. But while I'm coming towards the water, another steps down before me. And again, instead of giving Jesus a simple yes, it's to explain to Jesus the reasons why the system and the environment that he's been over attached to for 38 years isn't working. He's saying, Lord, every time the angel comes, this is what happens. And the system around me isn't working. He already knows that it's not working, but he's still there. And even though the man doesn't give Jesus a clear yes, we still find a very loving and compassionate God in verse 8 when he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Amazing. What a great story. You know, I think that uh, as Christians, for whatever reason, 
This is like, I pray this would be like a sila moment for someone. And the word sila means to pause and to think about this. I pray that what I'm about to say would be like a sila moment for someone. Because I believe that we can spend way too much time waiting for God to come down and stir up something around us when Jesus is simply waiting for us to stand up and to step out. It's interesting that, you know, just the phrasing that Jesus uses, get up, take up what you already have and begin to walk. And that was the key to this paralyzed man's breakthrough. Number one, he had to stand up. Number two, he had to take up what he already had. And in this case, it was simply his bed. And number three, start walking. If you can just lay hold of those three simple keys, that's going to work for you. On the other side of taking hold of those three simple keys are testimonies, are stories, are, are breakthroughs, are blessings that will blow your mind. It'll blow your mind because in laying hold of those three keys, you will be connecting to heaven. You'll be connecting, you'll be walking in alignment with heaven and therefore what's on in heaven will come down through you as a gateway onto the earth. This is pretty much what I do on repeat. Just keep on standing up, take up what you have and just keep walking. You know, Jesus is aware that this man's physical limitation, being paralyzed, is actually the least of all of his problems. Because there's a deeper issue present, which is at the core of not only his sickness, but also his stuckness. Because this man is not just limited physically, but he's, as I've already said, overattached to something spiritually, uh, socially, and environmentally, which has limited his purpose, his potential, and his breakthrough. He was overattached to a community of sick people and the system around him, and he forgot to become aware of the one who was in the midst of him. I want us to pray into that right now, because there's so much that we can be aware of. We can be aware of the one on our right, our left, or who's behind us. We can be aware of even myself. We can be aware of maybe you're just, you know, right now you're, you're really just on the inside of your own head and you're just thinking, you know, how am I sitting? How am I looking? Maybe you're not thinking any of those things. But at the end of the day, the thing that we need to be most aware of is Jesus. We need to be most aware of who's in our midst. And I want to pray into that just for a moment. Let's do that right now. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are here. Even in the prayer meeting, uh, we thank you that it was declared that where two or three are gathered, there you are in our midst. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open up our eyes to become more aware of your presence in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And so, you know, as we've just been learning about this paralyzed man, um, he was stuck. 
because of the system, because of the environment that he was a part of. And so as we look at this series, I just want to say that someone's breakthrough today is on the other side of your detachments. Okay, And I just want to illustrate this uh, when it comes to how to get unstuck and how to detach from the past. And to communicate this, I want us to have a look at the screen of uh, a pair of boots that are stuck in the mud. Can you see that? That is like proper stuck. Right? Those boots are proper stuck. Anyone in those boots? is not going too far. Now, what I want to do is I want to get you to imagine with me uh, that I'm standing on solid ground, okay? I'm on solid ground, and I'm watching you, for example, walk through the mud. And as I watch you trying to move forward in life, I can see that over time you're slowing up and getting tired to the place, you know, that you actually stop you're stuck. And not only that, but you begin to sink a little bit. Why? Because you've stopped. And because now what you, you were a part of isn't helping you to move forward. And so I begin to call out to you saying, hey, you're starting to sink. Get out of there. Get out of that situation. You might be like, well, I can't because I'm stuck and I can't move. But then I would respond and say, that you're not stuck. You're not stuck, but your boots are stuck. And you are not your boots, and your boots are not you. I'd say, get out of your boots. Break the attachment to that association. Break the attachment of that event. Break the attachment of that relationship. Break the attachment. Have a breakup with the heartbreak, that failure, that sin, that time in your life, whatever it is, detach from it because that environment and that system will not help you to break through. You've got to lose your boots for a while. Sometimes that's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's actually more comfortable being in the boots. Do you understand? Then, then getting out of your boots and, you know, just being in bare, with bare feet. But sometimes it gets a little bit uncomfortable to detach from something you're so used to. Get uncomfortable for a little while. How many of us here like new shoes, new boots, new sneakers, new kicks? However you look at this side, very much so. This side, I'm not so sure about. How many here like new shoes, new boots, new kicks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we all like it, but isn't it true that when we go to try them on, we've got to get the right size and then we test them out, you know, but it feels a little bit uncomfortable. But when we really love the new shoes, we'll pay a price, not just financially, but we'll also pay a price for a little bit of discomfort because we know that it won't be too, we're like, oh, I'm just not used to these. I haven't tested these. I haven't worn them long enough to get used to them. That's exactly what it's like in the faith walk. And I know that with 
all of you, God is calling you to step out of something and into something new. But until you step out of something old, you actually can't step into something new, even though you can see those new pair of boots on the shelf. But God has something for you. Emma, God has not just new shoes for you, but he has something, a new size for you to step into. And at first, you're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's going to be okay because as you step into it and as you begin to walk, even though it's like, oh, I don't know, I don't really know. It's, I'd rather go back to the familiar, right? But it's okay because I hear that, I hear God saying that he's going to cause your feet to grow and your walk to grow as you step into the new anointing, step into the new size, it's all going to be okay. And that's how it goes. It's the same with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know a lot about farming, really hardly anything at all, actually. But I do know that uh, when a yoke, when an oxen or something grows out of an old yoke, they need to put a new yoke on them. And the new yoke is actually bigger than the old yoke. And so it's a little bit uncomfortable. But as old Betsy just keeps on plowing and moving forward, he grows into that yoke. And it's the same with the anointing. You just got to be aware. Don't be too easily put off when, you know, God begins to reveal something new to you. Don't be put off saying, oh, I'm not, this is unfamiliar. So it's causing some level of anxiety. Be at peace. Just say to, say to your old self, it's okay. God's with us and we're going to get through. So we're coming to the end of my message today. And, uh, you know, Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 10, verse 23. This is great. I love this. Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 10, verse 23, that an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. An expert. And in verses 26 and 28, we read Jesus' reply. This is how Jesus replied. In verse 26, Jesus replies with a question. And the question is, what is written in the law? And the second question is, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, the, this expert, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And so what's my point here today? Whenever we come before God in prayer, seeking an answer to a breakthrough, don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit asks you two questions. And those two questions are, what is written and what is your understanding of it? So concerning the thing, so it could be like, Lord, I'm really struggling with uh, faith. Uh, to give. I'm really struggling to trust again. I'm really struggling with unforgiveness. Lord, I hear that you're calling me out to leave my old boots behind and to step in to a whole new walk with you, but I'm afraid. Don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit says, 
What does my word say? And what is your understanding of it? And once you answer correctly according to God's word, then the Holy Spirit is going to say, you have answered rightly. Now do this and you will live. Brothers and sisters, I have just explained the key to growing in your faith. If you do simply what I've just communicated to you right now in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, in church life, wherever you find yourself, you're going to grow and go from strength to strength. It's that simple. What am I doing right now? I'm putting it all back on you. Okay. I'm wanting to empower you because this isn't about you just coming to hear a preacher right communicate God's word this is about how can I as your brother give you a word to you for you to take home and to grow in you know at the end of the day if you want life to change if you want life to change you've got to change if you want life to get better then you have to get better if you want your marriage to get better you have to get better. And sometimes one spouse has to help the other spouse. Sometimes I have to help Trina, and sometimes Trina has to help me. All right? We help each other. If you want church, this church, to get better, you have to get better and become a more fully devoted follower and disciple of Jesus. If you become more devoted to Jesus, this church will automatically get better. And so will the community. You know, whenever you hit a wall, I just want to close with uh, uh, a statement that will encourage you. And it could be that someone here has just really hit a wall. It could be with addiction. It could be with a, a private sin. Whenever you hit a wall, then I want to encourage you to look for a door. With every wall comes a door. With every wall comes a window of opportunity. If there's a wall there, hey, listen, if there's a wall there, good news, there's also a door. If there's a wall there, there's also a door. I really do believe that every wall has a purpose. Every wall has a purpose. Again, in marriage, in relationships, in finances, in business, every wall has a purpose. Sometimes the wall is there because we've actually put it there. Uh, sometimes God sets up a wall. Like last year, uh, God set up a wall for us as a church. Uh, because most of you know the journey. It was at the beginning of 2021. I declared that I, I said, hey, our season here in Griffith Road has come to an end, uh, but I don't know what's next. God was setting up a wall and I didn't know what was next. But as I kept on just seeking, uh, because I knew there was a door with our name on it. And I knocked on a number of doors along that wall and nothing would open up until I knocked on this door and the, the, the door literally flew off the hinges. And so every wall has a door or a window of opportunity. And that's good news. It won't take long. It won't take long to find that door. Because Jesus Christ said, John chapter 10, verse 9 in the Amplified Bible, He said, I am the door. 
Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture, spiritual security. That's what we're all looking for. And, uh, you know, that's where our dear sister Christine is right now. You see, we're all still journeying in this life of faith, but now she's eternally home. She's exactly where she's destined to be. In addition to this, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with them and they with me. So the good news is with every wall comes a door. That's good news, isn't it, bro? With every door, with every wall comes a door. There's a door with your name on it. Okay? And it's just important for all of us to, to really get a hold of that. This isn't it for you. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. What's stuck is perhaps a mindset. What's stuck is a system, an environment, a community of people. And let me tell you this about, you know, at times detaching from, you know, a particular relationship that perhaps is keeping you stuck. As soon as you begin to get up and take up and begin to walk into your destiny, they're not going to like it. They will not like it. Why is that? Because now you're exposing their stuckness. And now with you leaving and moving forward, they're actually going to say that you no longer love them. And it's not that you don't not love them. It's just that you now have identified, you know, what God is asking you to do. So the three keys, get up, take up what you have and just begin to walk. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.